broadcast today. I'm Pastor Jeff Shreve, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. I am filling in this week for Dan Celia as he recovers from an illness, and we pray that God would bring healing to Dan and bring him back to full health very quickly. Well, today in the broadcast, we want to talk about authentic manhood, biblical manhood. What does the Bible have to say about being a man? Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 writes these words, beginning in verse 13, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. A real man, according to the scripture, is someone who is watching, who is alert. He's not asleep at the switch. He stands firm in the faith. He puts on the full armor of God so he can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He is someone who is both tough and tender. He is strong and he lets all that he does be done in love. Now, joining me on the broadcast today is my friend, Dr. Robert Lewis. Dr. Robert Lewis, uh, he was a pastor, a writer, a speaker, and the founder of Men's Fraternity. Men's Fraternity started in 1990, and it has blessed multitudes of lives. It has been such a blessing in my life and for our church, as we showed that for uh, a good number of years to train up men. Robert, thank you for coming on the broadcast today. Uh, Jeff, it's a delight to be with you. I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you so much. So, Robert, you started Men's Fraternity in 1990 after how long uh, as pastor at, at Fellowship Bible in Little Rock? Yeah, I came to Fellowship in 1980, and uh, as we got to the end of the 80s, uh, Promise Keepers had started up in, in Colorado, and then I had some men approach me and ask me about, can we do something for the men of our church? And uh you know, I had never even really thought about that. Men's ministries, even now, are not, uh, you know, there are not many churches that have ongoing men's ministry. And these guys were asking me to start something with the men. And so, uh, you know, I, I cobbled together 30 guys and tried to teach out of the scriptures about manhood. But it was a humbling experience because I realized how little I knew. So out of that, uh, I kind of... Um, committed myself to spend the summer studying manhood as best I could with uh, uh, the scriptures and also in any books or resources that were out there, and there weren't many at that time, to begin to put together some way to address the men about what we now call authentic manhood. How long were you were you teaching the guys before you started to videotape those those teaching times? Well, the first probably probably around four or five years, I started teaching and, uh, you know, the material I was discovering. I told the guys up front uh, after that summer, you know, I really don't know a lot about manhood. I mean, I grew up in a home where my dad wasn't around. He was kind of the invisible dad and discovered that there were lots of my, my friends who didn't really have much connection with their fathers. There was a lot of hurt there. So, I just started plumbing the depths of that for my own personal life and then sharing what I was discovering for me with the men and then trying to support that with what I was finding in the scriptures. 
And suddenly, after about two years of doing that, where we had maybe 30, 40 guys, suddenly the group began to grow. And over the next four or five years, we went from 50 guys to almost 500 men. And it became clear that what I was discovering about me and about manhood and the scripture and mixing that together, guys were resonating with. So in the mid-90s, there were men in the church that said, we need to film this. And I, you know, I got to tell you, Jeff, I wasn't really sure about that. Uh, but, but I mean, we didn't even have cameras, but the guys were so enthusiastic. They went out and bought the video equipment that we could film it. And so starting at about, I think 96, we started filming what I had done around the subject quest for authentic man had actually had done that same subject three years in a row. And we kept getting larger audiences. So in 96, we filmed the first of the curriculum and uh, then over the next two years, I developed two more years of curriculum. And then when we got to 1999, that's when Lifeway Publishing contacted me and said they had heard about this, they'd like to see it. And then one thing went to another, and they looked at the videos, and they said, we would like to publish this and uh, take it uh, across the nation, which they did. Amen. It's been such a blessing. You know, Robert, uh it's hard to get, get up that early because you were meeting at 6 a.m., right? That's right. So we did that you, for you, 10 years. We would get at the church at 5, set up, get everything ready. Guys would come in about 5.50 to 6 o'clock. We would start at 6, uh, have a little introduction. Usually did a little movie clip for fun. And then I would get up and start teaching about 6, 6.10. And I would teach for 40 minutes. And then we would break for just about five minutes and then go to small groups for 30 minutes. That's how men's fraternity worked. I did that for 12 straight years. Wow. And to get that many guys that could commit that much time in the morning, that's amazing. Well, listen, listen, I didn't get them to commit. I, I, it was, I knew it was hard. I just was trying to faithfully teach what I had learned. And I think the, <clears throat> the wow of all this, Jeff, I mean, imagine you started with 30 guys in 1990, and then it's 1999, and there are police on the street directing traffic in at 5.45 to 6 o'clock in the morning. And when I stood up to teach, there were over 1,500 men there every week. Wow. Praise the Lord. That is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Well, it, it, Robert, it is great material. Uh, I still refer to that when I'm teaching on men and, and doing a sermon. You know, I've contacted you before and said, hey, Robert, tell me this story again, because it really fits in yeah. with, with my sermon. Well, you came up with the four pillars uh, of manhood, of authentic manhood. And uh, I, wanna, I want us to kind of talk about those because I think they're just excellent. The first one, reject passivity. Why do you think right. it is that so many men uh, just just get passive? They, they can be aggressive when it comes to sports. They can be aggressive when it comes to business. And then they come home and they're totally passive. I, I really do believe it is systemic back to our great-great-grandfather, Adam. You know, the power of the Genesis story tells us a lot. It doesn't explain how we got that way. It just tells us we are that way. 
And when you look at the story of Adam and the things God uh, charged him with, uh, the responsibilities that he was charged with to be a man, to grow up as a man, because he wasn't a man originally. He was really a boy, maybe in a man's body, but he was a boy, and he had to embrace this instruction, these life-giving responsibilities that the Father God gave him. And so he was in that process of growing up when he had a moment in his life where his wife was entertaining, you know, the forbidden fruit, and Adam should have stepped into that and demonstrated, you know, leadership, spiritual leadership, because God had loaded him up with spiritual directives that he was to protect, love and protect his wife and family with. And in this most critical moment of uh, the story, uh, rather than step into a situation where his wife was entertaining the forbidden fruit and he had to confront a very sinister, intimidating, seductive serpent, Adam backed down and went passive. And that spiritual infection that then flooded into Adam, this spiritual passivity about leading, I think became a permanent state of manhood that got passed on in our fallen nature down through the ages. And so here we are still feeling that same passivity in men today. That's exactly right. We're talking to Dr. Robert Lewis about authentic manhood. Don't go away. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Remember the outrage when Texas passed a law restricting abortions? Abortions in Texas fell by 60% in the first month after the law. Put another way, over 2,000 little boys and girls had a chance to be born and live just like you and me. Abortion is more than a political football. It's an emotional issue for all of us. When decisions are made about an unwanted pregnancy, let's not forget we're talking about the life of a little boy or girl. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. Are you in need of hope, encouragement, and the love of God? I'm Pastor Salem. I'd like to invite you to join us for the Christian Worship Hour. For decades, I've been teaching the Word of God so that people everywhere can experience the love and power of a personal relationship with our Lord. Tune into this station this weekend and prepare to be blessed and encouraged by another life-changing message. Learn more about our program at ChristianWorshipHour.com. Hi, 
and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. I've been filling in this week for Dan Celia as he recovers from his illness. We're talking to Dr. Robert Lewis, the founder of Men's Fraternity and a dear friend. So Robert, we were talking about rejecting passivity and we've we've inherited that from Adam. Uh, he, he was passive when he should have been active and so many men are passive in, uh, in the way they conduct themselves at home and in marriage and in family. And I know with your own dad, he was very, very passive. Uh, how did that affect you? Well, growing up, you know, there's a natural uh, affection and admiration for your father. That's just built in as a son. It's one of the scriptures says the glory of sons is their fathers. They naturally want to look to their dad's for what I call father food, both directionally and emotionally. And when I was growing up, my dad, being a World War II veteran, uh, having come home from the war, he was a guy who was emotionally repressed for whatever reasons. I never fully understood it, but he had very, great difficulty connecting with us as sons and giving us that father food we needed. So there was that, um, you know, he, there was that natural. Uh, alienation I felt between my father and I. He was there, but he wasn't there. He was a great provider, and I knew my dad loved me. Uh, There wasn't any hostility towards us as sons, but my dad just simply didn't know how to connect, and what that left me with was this guessing at life that that, uh, made me go out and try to find it with my friends, with activities and those kind of things, but missing that centerpiece of a relationship with dad, um, it created lifelong hurt emotionally and even directionally because I had no idea, no clue how to be a man. And I remember when I went off to play football at the University of Arkansas in the 60s, um, going off to college by myself. I'd never been away from Louisiana. I was at the University of Arkansas I remember those first couple of weeks on campus there, I just remembered how clueless I was about life. And when you start guessing at life and guessing wrong over and over again, it creates a lot of shame and and anger within yourself. I should know this stuff, but I didn't. And I think really the pain and experience of that lingered with me into the pastorate. And that's why when I finally started getting into studying manhood, I was so excited because in the Bible, the research that I did, I started finding answers that began to put some foundation stones in my heart that my dad had not given me. And it became a tremendous benefit to my life. And hopefully I've benefited others from what I found. Now, Robert, with your brothers, because you have an older brother and a younger brother, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, so, and and are, are your brothers believers? Uh, my older brother, I have questions about. He's passed away. Uh, my older brother, uh, you know, took the tragic turn of moving into homosexuality and eventually died of AIDS. Um my younger brother, I had the privilege of leading to Christ, and uh, years later, he became a seminary professor at Denver Seminary, taught Hebrew, Greek, and Old Testament, and wow. I'm proud as I can be of him. 
Yeah. Well, so when you started discovering these things about manhood and fatherhood and, and father wounds and things like that, um, how did your brothers, did they latch onto that? And they said, oh, that's right. That's it. That's what we experienced. I don't think my older brother uh, ever had conversations with me about manhood. He passed away before uh, I started doing men's ministry in Little Rock and sharing these truths. My younger brother, yes, we we connected. And like I said, I'm very proud of my younger brother and the things he's done, uh, the ministry that he's had. So, yeah, there was benefit and recovery. And with my mom, my dad passed away. I had had the privilege, by the way, Jeff, of leading my dad to Christ. And so there were some good things that occurred with my dad. And then eventually, um, after my dad passed away, my mom and I became very close. And the conversations we had, I think, helped her in some ways forgive my dad for the way uh, he withdrew from the family. And at the same time, it allowed me to love my mom in a way that uh, she told me right before she passed away. She said, Robert, it has felt great to be protected by a man. I've always Mm. wanted that. So she gave me a blessing just how I built into her life. So there were some really good things that came out of that for our family. But uh, I would say some of the greater blessings, Jeff, has just been the opportunity to to build into men, young men especially, and see their lives changed. And because I've been around now for 35 years doing men's ministries, I've seen those men become family men. I've even had their sons in a new ministry, a national ministry that I created two years ago called Better Man. By the way, your audience can look at uh, the work we've done because we give it all away free at betterman.com. But we're doing a new men's ministry to reach younger men using older men to be their facilitators and uh, are having great success with betterman.com. But but I'm still, just like yesterday, I was in a room with some 300 men gathered around tables doing men's ministry together, older men building into younger men and seeing life change taking place right around the table. So that's probably been the greatest blessing of all of this from my humble beginnings is to see men's lives being changed where they come into kind of a new awareness of what God intended manhood to be. And it motivates them to want to embrace that, not as a religion, but as a lifestyle. And then to see the impact that it has on their wife, their children, a local church and in the community. Well, so I know a lot of guys have the same story you had where dad was, maybe he was there, but he was absent, you know, in in terms of being active in my life, or maybe he was just not there at all. And so then you get bitterness in your heart because you have that father wound and then you get married and you don't know how to do uh, marriage and family. So, right. I mean, that seems to describe so many men. Oh yeah. The absence of dad. Uh, uh, either emotionally or actually his physical presence, the way it manifests itself for a young man going into adulthood with struggling to find his identity and the frustration of not being able to do that very well, and then grabbing on to what I call cheap dad substitutes, whether it's sex, drugs, workaholism, alcohol, it, it can be a lot of things, or just frustration 
the 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 telling um, uh, evidence of fatherhood wounds is anger in men. And today in America, with what we see being played out between Americans, with the divisiveness that we see in our society on the streets, the the giant increase in crime, uh, drug addiction, the lack of men being married. There are more young men under 30 who are not married than are married. The fact that they are men who are not working. One third of all working age men today don't work at all. They're still hanging around uh, doing video games or living at home. We're seeing an epidemic of, of uh, men becoming casualties of fatherlessness. In fact, uh, we did a, a national survey of men with the Barna Research Group. And today in America, seven out of 10 young men under 40 have what I call a significant dad deficit. And, uh, I mean, seven out of ten, Jeff, that, that's unbelievable, that's which means right. they are clueless men living in a manhood fog, trying to live in a modern world, guessing. And that has incredible implications on American society, American culture, and and the safety and future of America. And it's... Uh... Yeah, that, that, that's a terrible statistic, but it is what it is. And so ministries like yours uh, really can make a difference. So if we get back to the pillars, Robert, we have because I love those four pillars and it's just such a great way to put it. Uh, a real man is going to reject passivity and then he's going to accept responsibility. Let's talk about right. that one. Uh, what do you see yeah. there? Well, again, all of these things are found in the, this is what I love about the Bible. All of these things are found in the story of Genesis. And so when you look into Genesis, you see where a man became passive and has stagnated in passivity. But men can be called out of passivity when they know what they're being called to. And so when you look in the Genesis story, God in the very beginning was calling Adam to accept these what I call life-giving responsibilities. In men's fraternity, I talk specifically about three of them. I've actually added one to that. But 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 Adam was being called to courageously follow God's word because the garden was a dangerous place. There was a snake there, and he had incredible power. Uh, so you had you have to to be a man. You have to not just believe the word. You've got to embrace the word and press the word, like Adam was being called to in the dangerous situations, challenging situations, and see it prove itself in real life. So one of the first things a man needs to be called to is embracing the Word as his compass. Secondly, he was called in Genesis, and even today, to love and protect the woman God gave him. And God gave a man a woman with specific responsibilities to step up and spiritually lead and sacrificially love that woman. Thirdly, he was given a place of employment. The first Adam was given a garden. But work from the very beginning, even before the fall, was not a job. It was a sacred calling. Christian men need to be called to be the best at work. And then lastly, the last responsibility was to be a man who could better the world by raising up healthy, well-adjusted children. 
because one of the great aspects of being a true man is to be a great dad. So to be called out of passivity is to be called into what I call the Genesis story for life-giving responsibilities. And that is to be a man of the word, to be a man of love and protection to women, all women, but specifically the woman God gives him as a husband. And then to be a man who's great at work and to be a great dad. Those are the four responsibilities every man needs to accept. Amen. We're talking to Robert Lewis, founder of Men's Fraternity. We're talking about authentic manhood. So we're going to take a quick break and don't go away. We'll be right back. It's dangerous to take God's glory for granted. This week on Truth For Life, we'll hear about the devastating results when Israel put their faith in the ark of God as a lucky charm rather than in the living God himself. Study along with us on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Truth For Life, weekday mornings at 1130 Central on AFR and online at AFR.net. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. Here's Dr. Carl Truman from the American Family Studios documentary, The God Who Speaks. What does the Holy Spirit really do in my life? The Holy Spirit primarily convicts me of the presence of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the means by which I'm united to Christ and the means by which I'm convicted of the presence of Christ in my life. I can be emotionally broken if that conviction is of a particular sin that I have. Maybe it's not a a directly emotional thing all the time. Maybe sometimes it's a profoundly intellectual thing that I suddenly become certain of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some people might say that all sounds rather irrational. Well, there are a lot of things we're convicted of in this life that have no strictly rational basis. I am absolutely convinced that my mother is my mother. How do I know that? She's my mother. Visit thegodwhospeaks.org. In His image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. Gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His image has moved me. We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same sex attracted couple contact us. And they said, after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit inhisimage.movie. 
Hi, welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. I'm filling in this week for Dan Celia as he recovers from his illness, and we are talking to Dr. Robert Lewis, the founder of Men's Fraternity. We're talking about authentic manhood and being uh, a man of God, a man who is tough and tender, who stands firm in the faith. Hey, Robert, I have this question. Because fatherhood is so critical in the lives of children. I mean, dad is dad is everything. Dad's a superhero uh, to the kids growing up. They love their mom, but but dad is like in a different category. What What has struck me in reading the scripture is you don't have a lot of good examples in the Bible of a guy who did fatherhood well. Uh, David, a man after God's own heart, he was a terrible father. Uh, it, it seems like Samuel wasn't a very good father either, um, based on the product of their children. Uh, how do you reconcile that, and, and what do you see in the Scripture? Well, I, I think your observation is correct. I mean, there, it's not like there are no good fathers in Scripture, but uh, uh, I think what you what you see is that in those particular cultures and whatever men were affected by the cultural circumstances they lived in, and oftentimes, even to this day, cultural circumstances pull dads away from their families, and we're still suffering from that. I mean, apart from good instruction, good modeling, good encouragement, and especially teamwork where dads will team up with uh, kind of the the uh, commitment, let's be the best dads we can be. And I've seen that, by the way, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to behold men committed to one another to be good fathers. I think the cultural winds are so strong, I think it's constantly pulling men away from their families and away from heart connections with their children. And apart from instruction of how to do that, Men won't do that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, You know, especially uh, David had way too many kids, obviously. I heard Chuck Swindoll preach on him once, and he said, uh, that's that's one problem. It's how do you you be a dad to 20-something children? Uh, That's difficult. Uh, Samuel, it only mentions two of his sons, and Samuel is God's man, and it is— it is shocking to me that his two sons were, they, they didn't follow the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. When you look, when you look, it's, it, but it's so real, isn't it, Jeff, that when you look at even religious leaders and heroes, that their children, oftentimes, the second wave is a group of, men and women who forsake the Lord are compromised or just become uh, passive themselves. And uh, I know for me, you know, I remember noticing that in the scriptures, and that's one of the reasons that when I was pastoring the church in Little Rock, I got with two other dads, uh, and we made a commitment. We had seven sons between us, and we said, let's covenant together to invest in our sons and do things that will not only give them close heart connections with us, 
but let's instruct them in some basic manhood principles. And so for the next, I think, looking back, it was like the next 28 years, we did that with our seven sons. And um, I'll only say this, you know, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I mean, our, those sons now are in their their late uh, 30s and 40s, and every one of them, all seven, are strong believers. Several of them are in full-time ministry. They all married what I call godly women, and uh, I've got 10 grandchildren myself, and I just have, am so impressed, especially with how my sons uh, are stepping into fatherhood them, themselves. Uh, I have one son who's head of emergency room medicine at St. Vincent's Hospital. I've got another son who's a major commercial real estate developer. Uh, but these boys are living out their faith in a way that, uh, you know, makes me really proud. So I would say, hey, apart from the scripture, uh, I've seen men, including myself, raise healthy families who go on and follow, follow the Lord in the next generation. Amen. What a blessing. I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth, as, as John said. Amen. Yeah. Praise yeah. the Lord. Um, Robert, we hear a lot today about toxic max masculinity. And, uh, you know, our culture is just so down on a, a man being a man. Uh, how would you describe toxic max masculinity and how is that in comparison to authentic manhood and biblical masculinity? Yeah, well, toxic masculinity is nothing more than than clueless men, devoid of a dad emotionally and directionally, acting out in inner rage on the society that they're growing up into as young adults. That's what we have today. I remember hearing um, a sociologist say one day, with the way we're neglecting family life in America, that what we can expect is for those children, this was like 20 years ago, those children to grow up and take their revenge out on American culture. And I mm. think that's what we're seeing today. We're seeing a rejection of everything sacred and healthy, and men in particular do that, either through, uh, you know, criminal activity, drug addiction, uh, passivity, or all kinds of different uh, holisms, workaholism, alcoholism, those kind of things. All of that, Jeff, is just simply the r inner rage of young men who don't know what to do and have had no one take the time to tell them what God intended them to be. And in the, and in the fog of that, that becomes what is known today as toxic masculinity. Well, and then people want to push away from that, and then they become, uh, as you described it in, in men's fraternity, the soft male, uh, a beta yeah. male or some kind of, you know, I mean, just you're very effeminate and, and you don't act like a man. So speak to that issue. Well, I, I just think that the whole culture is trying to redefine masculinity. We see it today. I was just looking at an ad the other day about the incredible explosion of men's makeup. Oh, Men gosh. going out, getting lipstick, you know, getting, you know, earrings, putting on different kinds of makeup and stuff like that. All of that is a desperate attempt to redefine masculinity 
but it it's not it's just going to end up a a twisted perversion of what God intended men to be but it's happening because no one is speaking into the culture and giving clarity about what men were created to be i mean even today jeff and one of the the, the things that was so good about men's fraternity is we defined from the bible what it meant to be a, a man even today even in most churches, men cannot tell you what it means to be a man. They can describe certainly certain manly characteristics, but to sit down and tell your son that a real man rejects passivity, accepts responsibility in these four areas, and doing that should expect that God is going to reward him. No one's telling sons that today in very clear, precise terms that men can embrace in their hearts and use as guiding lights for their masculinity. And it's in the the absence, the void of that, that demons, so to speak, I say that metaphorically, but also maybe even literally, have right. filled the souls of so many young men today. And that becomes toxic masculinity. Mm. Well, the prisons are just filled with that. Just angry Absolutely. guys. I'm speaking a lot of prisons. And and the guys, when you have a man stand up in front and say to these prisoners, we can define masculinity and let's talk about it. I mean, I've seen incredible response of prisoners to the message of authentic manhood. That's why, I, as I said, I've created a younger version, so to speak, of men's fraternity that are around the fundamentals of manhood aimed at men under 40 call better man and it's offered, all the resources are offered free online at betterman.com. And we're once again seeing a great response because guys are getting access to this and using the information to somehow, uh, somehow by the Spirit of God, arouse that sleeping masculine spirit that goes, this makes sense. I'm going to embrace that. And when they do, they start going through a masculine transformation towards the original design God had in mind when he first created Adam. Amen. Robert, now would you, uh, would you encourage people to do the betterman.com and, and not try and go back and watch the, uh, the men's fraternity videos? I mean, those are just so classic. It's hard to, I know you and I've talked about this before where, you know, (laughs) video doesn't, doesn't wear well, but the truth that you shared in those, in those uh, teaching times, just excellent. Well, I think men's fraternity, you know, has a has a place. I think the word classic is probably a good word. But but Jeff, uh, you and I both know uh, culture moves on. It sees those videos as tired and dated, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. that can turn a person off immediately, so they never even get into it. That's right. why I created a much more robust, shorter more dynamic uh, uh, video series called Better Man. And rather than me teaching it, I've got five different speakers online. It's all free who take you through the Better Man 10-week curriculum. One's Hispanic, one's African-American, one's a hipster, one's a young guy. They all teach the same, the exact same curriculum, but from their different perspectives. Satan has a lie for everything. 
Jordan Shambley says one of the most powerful lies of the enemy is that once we're saved, we no longer need the gospel. In Jordan's article, The Gospel-Defined Worldview, he clearly and passionately explains how the gospel is more than just a gateway to the Christian life. There's no way to separate it. The gospel must be the foundation of our lives. Read The Gospel-Defined Worldview when you visit afa.net slash the stand. afa.net slash the stand. Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this, and that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks, the important documentary from the American Family Association, is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. Thegodwhospeaks.org. AFA Foundation Director Riley Wildman. A charitable gift annuity is perfect for AFA supporters with an eternal perspective like Lucy Overstreet. Psalm 78 tells us that we are to tell our children and our grandchildren and the future generations after them what the Lord has done in our lives and what the Word of God says. Lucy's charitable gift annuity will keep supporting this ministry for generations. I wanted something that would have eternal value, and that's the way I think of the American Family Association investment. Contact Riley Wildman and her staff at the AFA Foundation and find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you. 800-326-4543, extension 345. Or visit our website, afafoundation.net. My life is not about me, it's about him. Welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. We're talking about manhood, authentic biblical manhood. And our guest today is Dr. Robert Lewis, the founder of Men's Fraternity. And we have said uh, Robert uh, got from the scripture four pillars of uh, authentic manhood. An authentic man rejects passivity accepts responsibility, he leads courageously, and he expects a greater reward. You know, Robert, one of the things I loved in in men's fraternities, when you talked about the wounds, not just father wounds, but then also mother wounds and the apron strings that uh, can often uh, entangle a, a boy as he grows up into manhood, entangle him with his mother. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, uh Really, the what I call the overly bonded with mother wound is simply a reaction of responsible moms trying to step in and fill the void of an absent dad. And uh, oftentimes they, they're not trying to hurt their sons, just the opposite. They're trying to replace an absent dad or to give their sons help where dad wasn't available. And... Uh, Moms are really good at trying to fill voids, but for a son, a mom who becomes over-involved in their life, and that happens a lot, especially in single-parent homes, the mom plays both roles, mom and dad, but in trying to step in and fill some of those missing pieces of dad, I call it immense fraternity, over-loving a son, and so a son starts feeling 
he's got too much mom in his life. Mom is trying to do too much for me, take care of me, and those kind of things. And a son usually has one or two reactions to mom that later on become problematic in his adulthood. One is when mom starts doing a lot of things for a young boy, the boy begins to think of women as someone who's going to take care of them in every area. And so they become incredibly passive. And as they move into adulthood, they're the men who, in relationships with women in dating and later on in marriage, look to the woman to do everything, to take care of everything, to make the decisions. And the woman that they marry, become, they become really frustrated with that uh, because the, the man doesn't seem to have any masculine will to step forward. On the other hand, some young boys growing up and mom gets overly involved has a different reaction from just giving in and letting mom do everything for him. Uh, those young sons don't like mom doing that. And so they become reactive and they become combative. And a mom's love becomes actually a threat to them. And they see women later on as they go into dating and even in a marriage that a woman who's trying to uh, ask them for things or calling them up to do things, that those become threats. They want women to submit to them, and they become the overly dominant male rather than the passive male. Those are the men that when women begin to ask for things, maybe that are legitimate, they overreact and become violent, become abusive. Um, you know, you see that all the time where these young men will beat their wives or hurt their wives or, or put down their wives. The overly dominant man or the super passive man oftentimes can be traced back to a mom who's just wanting to love her son because dad's not there. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, you know, I've always uh, kind of noticed this, Robert, how dads with sons are way different than dads with daughters. Now, I have three girls, and so I didn't I didn't have a son to raise. But, you know, my daughters were, I mean, they were princesses, and I want to protect them. But a dad doesn't want to protect his son. He wants his son to be tough, a good dad, you know, and, and but he doesn't yeah. want that for his girls. And so right. how, how do you say, and a, and a mom is going to be different toward her daughters as opposed to her sons. Have you seen that to be true? Absolutely. But it's the relationship between a mom and dad with a son and daughter that helps refine the things that really are what I call a beautiful masculinity and a beautiful femininity. When a young man is being called to step out, my dad, I mean, I had this, I had two sons. Sometimes my wife said, I don't know if they need to do that. I, you know, I think you're pushing them too hard. My response is to my wife, they need to be pushed. And it helps them hone that masculine courage and aggressiveness. At the same time, you know, I wanted to protect my daughters. I, I didn't necessarily want them to become passive, but but I was also a protector to help them see how to interact with a man who wanted to be a one who initiates and leads and how that relationship works. And I was kind of the model in the home for them growing up on how to do that. So I think it's the balance between mom and dad that helps refine masculinity and femininity. Sociologists would tell us that, 
that two parent families where the husband and wife love one another, they become the greatest training ground to what it means to be masculine and feminine. But you take either of those components away, or you make the husband-wife problematic in their relationship, and what you're going to get is wounded masculinity and femininity in the daughters. That's so true. You know, you wrote the book Rocking the Roles, which is an excellent book uh, talking about marriage. And uh, really in the home, it, it boils down to mom's relationship with Jesus, dad's relationship with Jesus and the strength of the marriage, because if that's not good, everything else starts falling apart. Yeah. Uh, research tells us that. And I tell this to young couples, uh, especially who have young kids, and they're just worn out all the time. It seems like in the home, it's just nonstop chaos, and they're wondering if they're going to be good parents. I I tell them this. I said, if you want to be a good parent, protect your marriage, because all the sociology tells us that 75% of great parenting is a good marriage. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... The four pillars of manhood, reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, and then the last one, Robert, expect a greater reward. Unpack that for our listeners. Yeah, if you look in the Scripture with what the Scripture consistently promises for obedience to the directives that are given any of us as, a, as an individual, as a people, or as a nation— that obedience is not something that is just uh, hard labor. It's something that has a goal line and has rewards at the end. Uh, A football team or a basketball team, they play for the trophy. And I think what we see in life is there is reward in godliness. And you see that in countless scriptures. And what I tell men all the time is that when God calls you to reject that natural passivity, when you feel that, and to step in courageously, because it's going to take courage, because uh, our world is an arena where battles are going on all the time. But when you step in with God's Word courageously, and you love a woman, you believe the Word, you invest in your kids, you are good at your work, you're not doing that with no expectation that you're not going to get better or be rewarded for that. You need to expect those things to produce great results of better things in your life, both personally and even professionally. So I think I think we need to be encouraging our sons and daughters as parents that godliness brings success on all different levels. And, and God wants to do that, including the ultimate reward of heaven. But, but, but reward, as far as a clear conscience, a steady spirit, a, a, a good marriage— Uh, having kids who grow up who are honorable, and the joy that that brings a mom and dad, Uh, personal advancement in work because you did a good job, Uh, having influence in other people's lives, learning to invest in others and seeing their lives change. All of that is the bounty, the fruit of the kingdom of God. And that's promised as a reward for stepping forward and accepting spiritual responsibility. And when it comes to manhood, those four responsibilities, those four basic responsibilities, I tell guys all along, if you stay with those, 
if you stay with the word, stay with your wife, stay with your kids and stay with your work and be faithful in that and give your life away to those things, they're going to return to you over a hundredfold of fruitfulness that will bless your life. And you'll end up, I always like to use this phrase, you'll end up like Abraham ended up where it says that he died at a ripe old age, satisfied with life. Amen. That's how I want to finish. Satisfied Amen. with life, because that, too, is a reward. Robert, what would you say, just as we just have a couple minutes, what would you say to the to the guy that says, well, my kids are grown and gone. I messed up as a husband. I messed up as a dad. Uh, is there any hope for me to reconnect with them? There is always hope. And you heard this, Jeff, in men's fraternity. Excuse me, I teach this in Better Man. A dad who felt like I missed it always has a path forward, and that is maybe it starts with getting some other men together and say, help me create kind of a way back. But there's always a way back where you can ask forgiveness and find healing with your children. I've seen it over and over again. If a man will just become courageous again, accept responsibility that I can be a dad who says, I messed up, please forgive me, I want to do good. And dads who take that courageous step, they're just simply living out authentic manhood. And many of those dads will get the reward of a renewed relationship with their children. Amen. There's hope in the Lord. So it's betterman.com, betterman.com, and you can get free resources from Dr. Robert Lewis. Robert, thanks so much for being our guest today. God bless you, my brother. Go out today, shine and share for Christ. Let him be known in your circle of influence. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.